This week's episode is brought to you by Bureau Veritas. At Bureau Veritas, each and every member of the team is by your side to help you navigate your decarbonization journey. This is Green Seas, the podcast by Tradewinds about the environment and the business of the ocean. I'm Eric Priante Martin, and today we're talking about the UN Climate Conference's new goal, transitioning away from fossil fuels, and what that means for shipping. The UN's COP28 climate conference in Dubai is over, and it ended with an agreement that for some is historic, but for others is a disappointment. Here's the COP28 president, Sultan Ahmed El-Jaber, announcing the agreement. And in case you were wondering, he's in the first camp. We should be proud of our historic achievement. And the United Arab Emirates, my country, is rightly proud of its role in helping you to move this forward. Ladies and gentlemen, the world needed to find a new way. And by following our North Star, we have found that new path. Here's the headline of that agreement. The world must transition away from fossil fuels. That's not enough for those who are calling for a phase-out, but that's the deal we have. So I wanted to take a look at what Shipping said at COP28 about that path away from fossil fuels. My colleague Paul Pichi was in Dubai for the event, and I noticed a few themes in his reporting. You can find all his stories at tinyurl.com slash TWCOP28 to follow along. Theme 1 was carbon pricing, because key to transitioning away from fossil fuels and shipping is narrowing the price gap with the more expensive green fuels, not to mention generating funds to invest in that transition. Paul interviewed Albany Shoda, the Marshall Islands presidential envoy for shipping, and a significant voice in global discussions over shipping's greenhouse gas footprint. And Ashoda used COP28 to up the ante in discussions in the debate over putting a price on carbon. The Marshall Islands now wants a starting levy of $150 per ton of CO2. That's 50% higher than its previous proposal. But he wasn't the only one talking about putting a price on carbon. You'd think that an industry would smart at the idea of a global tax, but most people I talk to in shipping have long been in favor of a levy on greenhouse gas emissions. Though I don't know about that $150 per ton level. Andreas Enger, chief executive of Hogue Autoliners, spoke at the U.S. Center at COP28, where he said that it's time to get over talking about technological uncertainty. The basket of alternative fuels that shipping is going to be using in the future is known, And what is important now is scaling up green fuel production and creating demand signals for it. Part of doing that is bringing more cargo owners into the discussion, Enger said, because they ultimately pay the bill. The other one then is to to basically supplement that with regulations. Because the way we are today, to really accelerate use of zero carbon fuels, we need to manage the price gap. And that means that some combination of carbon pricing and incentives uh, is necessary. And that's in some way why for us right now, uh, in many ways, uh, definitely right now, Europe is the epicenter of this because they are in, taking shipping into the ETS next year uh, and they do have the sort of uh, fuel EU maritime and other, other things. 
I think the shipping industry will would benefit from having global arrangements, uh, but it is important to start somewhere. But and 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 I think it it is you know getting as widespread as possible structures that that you know engage cargo owners, uh, price carbon emissions, and use the proceeds to. Uh, at least some of the proceeds to stimulate uh, the uptake of zero carbon fuels. And if you, if you do that, it can actually move quite quickly. The next big theme for shipping at COP28 was green fuels. We've been talking about that a lot in this podcast, but at COP28, that had to be put into the context of global decarbonization. This is key for shipping because in a scenario where all industries need to transition away from fossil fuels, the maritime sector doesn't want to be last in line for the alternatives. Lin Lu is chief executive of the Global Center for Maritime Decarbonization in Singapore. At the International Chamber of Shipping's Shaping the Future of Shipping event at COP28, she laid out the scope of the mountain that shipping has to climb. I think it's right safe to say that shipping plays a dual role. The world can't decarbonize without shipping transporting fuels. Shipping can't decarbonize without access to these fuels. And so this points to the intertwined and uh, interrelated complexity associated with shipping and the global supply chain. Um, And given the scale of challenge, we really need to take a holistic and systems approach to looking at decarbonization. Uh, It's not enough to just think about decarbonizing shipping alone. And I thought I would start by just sharing some numbers Two examples to kind of ground the discussion. Um, To reach the net zero goals by 2050, we've all heard that we need 5% zero carbon fuels by 2030. That translates to about 40 million tons, whether it's ammonia or methanol, because the energy density is not very different. Um, What does 40 million tons mean? Well, the world produces 200 million tons of ammonia today. We trade 20 million tons on ship. So 5% is 40 million tons. We trade 40 million tons, and we trade 20 million tons today. So that number is enormous. Um, We've also seen numbers by IRENA that says, you know, uh, in the future, in 2050, uh, 50% of the future fuels need to be transported by ships. And again, if we look at these numbers today, on the water, there are about 200 vessels that can transport ammonia. Um, 40 do that continuously. So just kind of imagine the scale, right? So there's a big growth that needs to happen. We need many more ships. We need many more storage tanks. We need lots more infrastructure on the land side to accommodate this energy transition. Next up is carbon capture. The same COP28 text that called for transitioning away from fossil fuels also called for investing in carbon capture. After all, Fossil fuels are going to be around for a while, so you got to do something with that carbon. Lou said there are 68 gigatons of CO2 that need to be stored underground, and yet there are just four ships on the water that can move that cargo. And then there's the role that carbon capture technology could play on board ships. Here's Captain Rajalingam Subramanian, chief executive of Malaysian shipping giant MISC, speaking at the Shaping the Future of Shipping event. For us, it's a dual strategy in terms of aligning and managing uh, our net uh, 50% reduction agenda for 2030 and our net zero agenda for 2050. And carbon capture for us, uh, our team's evaluation is that it plays a big part 
in terms of uh, managing whatever is possible and plausible today in terms of having because you do have carbon capture facilities ashore. It's proven technology. How do we do it uh, on board? Our, our assets, which we have signed up with two technology providers and, uh, and a yard in, uh, in Korea, developing that. And at the same time, also developing the ecosystem and the infrastructure for a net or a lesser emission, uh, emission fuel. And I go back to my 2016, 2017, when we first started with LNG as a dual fuel at that, at that point in time, right? The, 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 the rungs were not quite there, but the ladders were, were there. And we said, the world is long on gas. Let's start with this. So Subramanium sees carbon capture as an intermediate solution, and he's happy to see it taking shape. But more work needs to be done. And he said the International Maritime Organization needs to pass regulations on carbon capture. And he said that while sitting on the same stage as Arsenio Dominguez, who will become Secretary General of the IMO in just a few weeks. The next theme at COP28 was people. Shipping unions say there are some 800,000 people working on board ships who will need to be retrained for the greener vessels of the future. Steve Cotton is Secretary General of one of those unions, the International Transport Workers Federation, or ITF. He was speaking at the Shaping the Future of Shipping event. For him, it's not just about training. Many of the crew today will still be in this transition, and they're not in that 800,000 we've identified that need to be upskilled. So we have to recognise the reality is, and we've discussed this before, autonomous ships, those rumours detract people from our industry. So for us, the question is, how do we deal with the existing crew? How do we reassure them? How do we attract new crew with the new technology, the new skills? The conversation about who's going to pay is a key issue just as much when it comes to training seafarers. And then perhaps in the bigger, bigger questions, if you look at this room and you look, think of the shipping companies that are represented here and the crews that are represented here, probably um, we have a distinct issue in crew retention as well. Cotton said shipping's energy transition has to consider things like quality of life, duration of employment and career opportunities, among other topics to attract people to the industry and to retain the ones that are already on board ships. Finally, green corridors were a key theme. These are the routes that are seen as the front lines of decarbonization. NYK Group, for example, used COP28 to highlight plans for a green corridor from Chile to Japan with ships powered by green ammonia. The Aspen Institute's Ingrid Irigoyen led a discussion in the U.S. Center that included representatives of the Port of Los Angeles and Shanghai, which are working to build a green container shipping corridor between the two cities. She's the chief executive of the Zero Emissions Maritime Buyers Alliance, or ZEMBA, which is working to bring together demand for shipping powered by green fuels. We believe that advanced offtake commitments will be essential to speed the transition, and we also know that many green corridor projects are urgently in need of such demand. We also believe that such commitments need to be for sufficient volume and longer than normal contract periods in order to create the business case for this sector to increase investment and accelerate the pace of change. Our several dozen members are also interested in gaining economies of scale, which is why aggregating their demand and bringing it to market is the most catalytic and cost-effective strategy to support this industry transition in the early years. We can catalyze this new market until policy support is sufficient for these solutions to come to scale, 
hopefully through strong action at the IMO, to create an even playing field for zero-emission shipping. Christine Peterson, the Director of International Trade and Investment for the City of Los Angeles, said L.A. is working on green corridors in part because the climate crisis is also a health crisis. So when we're looking at um, why we're entering into these green shipping corridors, it's not only to decrease greenhouse gas emissions, but also the pollution that uh, affects the surrounding communities uh, around the port, so to improve the air quality. Um, Big picture, what we're looking for, what we're striving for, is to... um, to, to work towards a fully decarbonized and sustainable supply chain from terminal to terminal and beyond. So that includes uh, heavy-duty drayage trucks, for example, and we have a target to have fully zero-emission heavy-duty drayage trucks in California by 2035. Uh, and this is all, of course, to do our, part, do our part in keeping global warming below 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, in the near term, success is really about demonstrating the viability of green shipping fuels. And by using our, our LA Shanghai green shipping corridor to do that, putting one of the, uh, putting a zero carbon fueled ship on one of the busiest trans Pacific routes in the world should be a, a demonstration that it's possible anywhere. And even closer still, it will be a success for us if we're able to lower greenhouse gas emissions between now and 2030 by using low-carbon fuels and transition fuels. With COP28 behind us, attention on the global decarbonization of shipping now turns to the IMO, where negotiations are underway for policy mechanisms to make its goal of net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 into a reality. Here's more on the environment and the business of the ocean. Florida shipping company Crowley has teamed up with Carbon Ridge for a project to install a carbon capture system on a container ship. The effort to install the technology on the storm has the backing of the U.S. Maritime Administration. Russia plans to open the Northern Sea Route year-round starting in 2024. The route across the country's Arctic waters had generally been off-limits in March, April, and May because of ice conditions, but an official said that's about to change. And shipowners are circling available berths at shipyards to build very large ammonia carriers as trade in the zero-carbon fuel grows. Read all of those stories and more at tradewindsnews.com. Music for this episode is by Moment Music on Pixabay. <laughs>